Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scarlet Nation podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Chris Akonis, joined by Bobby Darren as we are touching on crossover season here. Rutgers football heading into the final game of the regular season against Maryland, looking to get to seven wins on the year. Rutgers basketball also off to a four and one start, winning four straight. Uh, heading into a slightly more than a week-long break before they return to uh, action against St. Peter's. But uh, plenty of stuff to get to in this one. We're going to start with football. I'm joined by my host, Bobby Darren. Uh, and, and Bobby, this is really a game where you know Rutgers has already made a bowl game uh, in that sense have sort of achieved the goal for this season. Um, but you know, getting a win against Maryland, the team that has had Rutgers' number as of late, uh, would be another building block for this program. Yeah, and it really would, Chris. And and you know, Rutgers six and two, full head of steam. And things kind of go south in that third quarter against Ohio State, and boom, you're looking at a six and five team. But I think it's important to note that this stretch is really tough football. You know, you're playing, uh, you know, at the time number one ranked in the college football playoff, the Ohio State team at home. You lose that, and then you have to go on the road to play at Iowa and at Penn State, which are not easy places to win. Um, you know, especially in November. So it, it was a tough task, and and Rutgers is pretty beat up physically. I mean, as might be expected with that stretch. So you know they're just kind of running on fumes to, to the end of to the season. But you, you get a little alleviation in that you're playing Maryland. But Maryland seems like they're picking up some steam and playing well. Uh, I'm not sure what you get from them week to week, Chris. But it would be a nice way to cap off the season, especially like you said, they have not fared well. And I had to double check the scores. The last Last two years, they've beaten Rutgers by a combined 77 to 16. Um, it doesn't seem like that because when you think about, you know, not being competitive against the elite Big Ten teams, you don't really lump Maryland in there. But I think the timing of the game has been unfavorable to Rutgers in the past two years. And this year, you know, they're, they're coming in once again banged up. So I think you see a lot of issues with with depth. And when we talk about that. Uh, these other teams can plug guys in and there's not much drop off. They can split reps, you know, at different points of the year, keep guys fresher. But the problem that, you know, Rutgers has, Chris, is is that, you know, some of these guys, the drop off is too great. So they're playing hurt and they're still productive, but they're percentage less productive, you know, multiple percentage less productive than they were earlier in the year. So, yes, these guys are out there, but these guys are hurting and they're just fighting to get through four quarters. Yeah, and that was something that um, Greg Shano touched on in his presser. He said, I don't know if, uh, you know, what he, he didn't specify uh, in terms of, you know, who might be available to play, who might not be available to play. And, and as you mentioned, Bobby, um, even if a player is available to play and is playing, you know, at this stage of the year, you got some bumps and bruises, maybe not entirely at 100%. So that's definitely going to be a factor that, you know, Rutgers is going to have to manage Bobby, and I, I'm very interested in seeing how the coaching staff navigates that, and I'm also interested in seeing, you know, how the players sort of respond to that. It's not an easy situation to be in, um, given the injury state of, you know, some parts of Rutgers' team at this point. Yeah, it really is, and, and you, you might see some younger guys get some work, but then, you know, two weeks ago, Greg said that some of those guys hit a wall, so <laughs> who do you really play? But... Um, you know, the good news is they're bowl eligible. This game, you know, bowl hopes do not hinge on this game. So um, you want to go out with a win. But if that doesn't happen, it's still a very successful season and you still have a bowl game. And on top of that, if, if you wind up in the in the pinstripe bowl, you get you get to play an ACC team, which is a bonus, too. It's like playing a group of five team. You know, um, they should win that game. 
So, um, uh, you know, uh, all things considered, it's it's been a good year. I know it might not end on on the highest note as some people may have hoped because you know they haven't won in November. But you look at that schedule, and I don't know too many teams that are going to go out and and win any of those games. To be honest with you, Chris. Yeah, and that's something that I think was particularly striking about um, the way the schedule was set up. Uh, you know, with Big Ten play being what it is, you know, the end of the season is always going to be harder than the beginning of the season, and I, I, I think that's going to be the case pretty much every year. Um, but if you look at the Big Ten teams that were at the beginning of the schedule, you know, you talk about a team like Northwestern, who have actually gone on to have, you know, a decent season in the Big Ten West, but at the time, you know, were not playing well at all, um, you know, to start the year. Uh, Michigan State and Indiana, which were easier matchups towards the middle. And then you have that gauntlet, uh, Ohio State and Penn State, um, Iowa, really tough defense as well. And now a decent Maryland team, you know, it, it just it seems like it, the schedule gets harder. And to talk about wear and tear, also have to keep in mind, Rutgers played eight straight games before having that bye week at the end of October. Um, I, mm-hmm. I wonder if that maybe took a little bit of a toll that you're now starting to see now. Yeah, and that's a great point, Chris. I mean, eight straight games, you know, they play a physical brand of football. Then you talk about a guy like Kyle Manungai. He runs up the middle most of the time. He's getting tagged. He's got a lot of yards after contact. I mean, it should be a given that this this kid is is banged up by the end of the year. The way that he plays, the way that they run him, and just the physical nature of that type of game. So to have him healthy at the end of the year, relatively healthy, uh, you know, is, is an accomplishment because, you know, he, he earned a lot of those yards. Um, so, uh, you know, who's going to play this week? You know, it's it's still up in the air. And some of these guys really are day-to-day. Can they gut it out? Can they tough it out? I mean, you saw Johnny Langan just doing everything he could to play in that game uh, against Penn State. And, you know, it's his last year. This is senior day. It's a, it's an, it'll be an emotional day for a lot of guys. I think they're going to come out, you know, pretty amped. And I expect them to play well despite those those injuries. And I think the big thing, Chris, and, and you know, uh, having watched Maryland, I mean, the quarterback's a guy you just you have to worry about. This guy could go off for 400 yards any week. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the interesting uh, matchup here between uh, Maryland's pass game and Rutgers' pass defense. Now, Rutgers has uh, had some pretty impressive performance in terms of defending against the pass this season, um, but this is where I think it's really going to matter because, you know, I think, you know, Tagovailoa is not Maryland's whole offense. No one player is ever a team's whole offense, but he's a, such a <laughs> focal point. He's a big part of the reason why Maryland has been able to have the success that Maryland has been able to have last couple of years and I, I do think that you know if Rutgers can key in on him defensively um, you know I think that that's going to be a, a really critical factor into whether or not Rutgers will be able to pull off the win in this one so um, that'll be one to watch for sure um, in terms of quarterbacks though there was one other point um, from Greg Shano's presser that I wanted to touch on this podcast uh, um, you know talking about you know how he's played and how he's grown this season um, Gavin Wimps had finished with his highest completion percentage uh, against an FBS team this season, 10 of 16 for 130 yards, um, did have the interception. Um, and, you know, Greg Shano in, in the press conference earlier today basically said, hey, that's as good as, as I've seen him throw the ball and, and play mm-hmm. uh, in his time as a Scarlet Knight, which I thought was a really interesting quote. And, I, and it just sort of shows the confidence that Greg Shano has in his progress and his development throughout the season. Yeah. And, you know, Chris, I don't think it's fair in some of these games when, you know, they're reluctant to throw the ball early and then they get down and say, all right, kid, 
bring us back and, and try to get them to throw every time and the defense plays back and the guys aren't getting open. And it's really tough at the end there, like you saw with that interception. And, and um, you know, you're playing against good defenses. So I'd like to see him work the passing a little more. But you can see the progress that Gavin Wimstead is making. And I know it's a popular thing to blame the quarterback. I mean, when, when most people watch football, they watch the ball. You know what I mean? So it's tough. I, I know there's a lot going on. It's tough to, to look at what everybody's doing. You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to slow it down and watch it a couple of times to really get a feel for things. But, um, you know, it's easy to blame the quarterback when something goes wrong and it's easy to, to hold him up on a pedestal when things go right. But you can see the progress he's making. And, and you know, I mentioned the receivers. He's not equipped with the with the best receiving core in the Big Ten. Um, you know, that offensive line is they, they were out. They were overmatched against uh, Penn State. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him for not trying to drop back and, and throw it all day because, you uh, you saw what was happening, you know, with with, uh, with with some of the guys coming off the edge. It was just tough go. But so um, but you can see it's getting better. You know, last year, Chris, he was one and five as a starter. This year, he's six and five as a starter. So um, you have to consider that. I mean, one of the one of the trademarks of any good quarterback is what's your record? And, you know, six and five. I think uh, if he can come out and have a good game, you know, he, he's seen some tough defenses. So this week, you know, Maryland defense is decent, but they're not anything like Rutgers and Wimsett have seen in the last couple of weeks so or last three weeks. So, you know, to see him come out and have a good game will be a great way to end the season. Um, it would give, you know, fans a little more confidence in the future with Wimsett at quarterback um, because let's face it, he's the guy, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're not going into the portal and getting another guy. You got AJ Sarace coming in next year. He's going to be a true freshman. We've seen the true freshman experiment over the years rarely work because it's just so much going on at the quarterback position. So he's your guy and you want to see him progress. And it would be a nice way to end the season at home on senior day, go into a bowl game with some momentum, pick up another win. You'd be an eight and five team, Chris. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch in the next season, what the progression looks like. But just a couple top line numbers I want to run through real quick on Wimsett before we move on. Um, completion percentage, 49.2%. I'd argue that isn't entirely fair to Wimsett because of, you know, like you said, Bobby, how they've been using him uh, at times. Uh, you know, a lot of his throws have come in late in games when the defense knows he's going to pass and you know, you're taking more risks because, you know, it's it's a late game situation and you're trailing and that. And that. So I do think the completion percentage is a little unfair. Um, but he has improved 49% this year to 40, just under 45% last year. Um, 1,486 passing yards to 757 last year. Uh, eight touchdowns to seven interceptions this year compared to five touchdowns to seven interceptions last year and so on. So you're seeing the progress there. Um, and, and I think that that's going to be really one of the key uh, storylines heading into next season is just how much further does that go? And it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, should be a, it should be an evenly matched game this weekend, Chris. But, um, you know, we're going to kind of transition now from football to basketball because it's that time of the season when the two sports overlap. So we have football going on, basketball going on. Chris Rutgers is off to a four and one start after a disappointing loss to Princeton. Uh, haven't played the best competition, um, but I, I know you were at the Howard game and, and thought they they played you know pretty well what are your thoughts on that game and and did you see improvements and if so in what areas yeah I think Rutgers has just from my perspective and of course you do have to take into account you know who they're playing to start the year but I think you're seeing Rutgers become more cohesive um, game after game it's just when you look at it overall they just look a little more um you know as a unit whereas in the beginning you could kind of tell at times that you know this is a team that had a lot of roster turnover particularly in the backcourt um, first off, I just want to say I thought Derek Simpson was terrific. 
uh, in that game against Howard. He was making good decisions. You know, his shot was on. He was confident. And I think that was a huge factor. You know, Rutgers is just a different team. Uh, that backcourt is a different backcourt when Derek Simpson is on. Uh, he's averaging mm-hmm. just under 11 points per game so far this year. Obviously, a small sample size with only five games. But I, I am interested in seeing, you know, how that pans out. Um, Cliff Amore, I, I think... Uh, has uh, shown that his ability to be one of the best centers in the Big Ten yet again this year. I'm curious to see, you know, how his development sort of translates uh, in December when you start to see Rutgers go against some of those, you know, top end teams: Illinois, Wake Forest, Seton Hall. Um, I, I think that's going to be the real big test for him. Um, and, and I just think that, you know, you've seen some encouraging performances from the freshmen as well. Gavin Griffiths, 10.6 points per game, uh, has shown his ability to sort of explode for points at times. And even Jermichael Davis, someone who uh, has had some breakout moments. So I think overall, you're starting to see the promise of some of these younger players. I think you're starting to see cohesiveness. And I, I think that, you know, you have to be encouraged if you're a Rutgers fan over the growth you've seen through five games. But I think we'll really know the answer of how good this team could be after that three-game stretch in uh, December. I think that's going to tell us a lot about where this team is. Yeah, you know, and I would, I would, you know, play devil's advocate on that, saying, you know, I, I've seen some concerns in some of these games with them, you know, playing up to the level of these subpar opponents, you know, in the early going. And, you know, they have a few more coming up. I think LIU and Stonehill are the bottom of the Ken Palm, too. So they'll pick up wins there. But, you know, that three-game stretch is going to tell a lot, Chris. You know, uh, you have Illinois, tough team, uh, ranked in the top 25. And, and you know, uh, Wake Forest, you know, not not the same caliber as Illinois, but they'll give them a run at Seton Hall. I think people are sleeping on them, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that. This nine days off will be a big help. But um, I, I agree there's some promise. But I'm just looking at this season as a segue to the class of 2024 arriving, Chris, with, you know, with that star-studded one. And if they get Dylan Harper, too, um, you kind of develop these guys and and really have some fun with it next year. So I'm hearing well, Mag might be back in December. How effective will he be? I don't really know. Um, but, you know, this nine days off should really help. And, and um you know, you're kind of seeing these guys get a better feel for one another because it's it's a, it's an entirely different team that ended the season last year. Yeah, definitely. And I do agree, you know, at the end of the day, next year's class is so good that I think it is in some sense of the segue, no matter how the season really ends. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think I'll, I'll push back on that a bit. I think the one thing that has really surprised me a bit is I thought the offense may have looked a bit better uh, than it did in the early going. But I've been really impressed by how this Rutgers defense has played. This is a Rutgers defense that, um, you know, has really picked up in, in some ways where it's left off. It's only uh, allowing um, right now, looking at it, uh, 58.6 points per game. Granted, again, you have to take into account the uh, competition, but it's still number 22 in the country as of the time mm-hmm. of recording this. Defensive rating is 85.7, 36th in, uh, in Division One. And I think the defense has looked better than I thought it was going to uh, heading into the season. And I think that's a testament to Steve Peichel's coaching ability. Um, and I also think it's a testament to just how these players have been able to develop uh, defensively. Um, and I think that's going to be a key thing to watch because um, I do think the offense will continue to improve to an extent. Um, but if Rutgers can still play, maybe not as good as last year, but pretty good defense, that's going to give a lot of leeway for the offense to sort of try to figure things out. And I think that that is going to, at a minimum, keep Rutgers in the bubble conversation a lot longer than otherwise. So I think that's been an encouraging sign, too. 
And, and you know, to to play it on the other point, I I think that the competition they're going to see is going to elevate significantly. So when uh, you know Big Ten play starts, uh, and even you know these this three game stretch coming up, you you know these these Rutgers young guards, these new guards, Noah Fernandez, Jermichael Davis, you know bringing Gavin Griffiths, how are these guys going to defend? Um, even Derek Simpson, because not known for his defense, how are they going to defend these perimeter guards? You know, and and what are you going to get? Um, down low as well, you know, is Cliff gonna is gonna really step up because it's sometimes he seemed, you know, kind of just I don't want to speak for him, but you know what I mean. You were expecting a lot more, uh, you know, from him in these early going. He kind of like I don't know, maybe he's maybe he's <laughs> he's had enough with a college game, but um, you know, you would think it, coming into games against teams like you know uh, before the Howard game, the, the Boston U and and Bryant, you think he would just come out and dominate those teams. But um, like you said, they're getting a feel for it. And I'm just taking this season as, you know, all right, if, if whatever wins you get out of it is, is icing on a cake because, um, you know, the following season, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of guys from this team getting big time minutes. Uh, some of them will be gone, but, you know, you have that group coming in, Jeremiah Williams waiting in the wings. So, um, you know, I'm a little skeptical this year. I wouldn't call them a bubble team at this point, but it's a long season. And every time I kind of doubted Steve Peichel in the past, he's proven me wrong. So, you know, hopefully he does that again. But um, I'm going in, uh, you know, to, to that three game stretch, really curious as to how this team plays, because I think it'll be a really, really telling sign. And he has nine days between this game and St. Peter's, which which should be a gimme. And then you have, you know, I think another, is it five days until they play Illinois? So there's a nice stretch of time where these guys can get rested, can get acclimated, can gel, can kind of build on what they have. So um, it'll give uh, Pico and company a, a, a lot of time to game plan. It's something he loves. He loves to hunker down and, and just, you know, go through the X's and O's and, and um, you know, he's an old school coach in that regard. So I I'm curious. So that three game stretch, I think Chris is really going to be telling for me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I really think, you know, another thing, keep in mind, you talk about the rest now. I do think that's going to matter because if you look at the schedule, it's Illinois, Wake Forest, Seton Hall, three games in a span of uh, eight days. Um, so that's right. a lot for to play three high major teams. That's going to be, I think, some good prep for a Big Ten play, uh, which will really start mm-hmm. up in earnest in January. Um, and also keep in mind that two weeks after Seton Hall, you've got uh, Mississippi State, neutral site game. Mississippi State, I think uh, I got to see a little bit of them against uh, Northwestern, um, and, and they look really good. Uh, a lot of the advanced metrics have them near the top 25 right now. Uh, I don't know if that will necessarily translate to the AP poll, but um, you know, I think that that's a really good team. And I think if Rutgers could pull off a win there, not to get too far ahead, um, you know, that would be a, a resume boost on a neutral floor. But um, a really important stretch in December coming up. I think that's when we'll really be able to have some more definitive answers on just where this team could go. Um, I'll also say that uh, in my, now this would be six years going back to when I started as a student uh, of following Rutgers basketball. Um, more often than not, uh, Steve Peichel's teams have gotten better as the season has gone on. Uh, a lot of times you see a team in November, um, they sort of take some time to get their f- uh, footing and then you start to see them start to uh, get really get it together. So I'm curious to see if that happens this year. I think it can. I like some of the young talent on this team. And I think that's going to be uh, an interesting thing to watch moving forward. Uh, Bobby, before we wrap this one up, any other thoughts on basketball that you sort of want to sort of get out there? Uh, you know, it's just that, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm going to be looking at those, those, that three game stress because I, I like, I haven't been impressed with the teams they play, but a lot of people will talk about is out of conference schedule being soft. And I, I wouldn't knock them on it this year. Cause I think it'll be a benefit 
because you have this new group and these guys that are just starting to, to learn how to play together. And if you're bringing in, you know, the, the top 25 teams of the world instead of the uh, Boston U's and the Bryants, you're taking a beating early. And how much is, are the guys really developing in those type of games? You know, so you can learn from a loss, but I, I'm definitely not knocking them for the, the soft out-of-conference schedule. If it comes down to bubble time and they make it that far, um, you know, that might hurt them. But I, this year I, I can't see that as a negative because you're building a brand new team with a new nucleus, not a brand new team, but, you know, a relatively new team with a new nucleus. And uh, um, you need these games to kind of, you know, get some wins and and they're not the most impressive teams, but Hey, a win's a win, a win, right? Yeah, definitely. And I do think that has benefited Rutgers. I think you're seeing Rutgers sort of iron out some of the kinks um, from the early part of the season. I think having an avenue to do that at home, Rutgers now playing, uh, four straight home games going to play another one against St. Peter's. I think that's an opportunity for Rutgers to really capitalize on that uh, and use that as a time to grow. Uh, Cause you know, some of those earlier performances, if they played that against, you know, a big 10 team, uh, the result would not have gone Rutgers way. I feel comfortable saying that. So I do think, um, you know, having that opportunity uh, benefits, especially this year. Now next year, mm-hmm. we've got, you know, potentially one of the best, uh, or I should say potentially one of the best recruiting classes coming in. Then you might want to say, Hey, maybe we get an extra, you know, uh, high-level uh, non-conference opponent. But that's a conversation for another podcast, but that'll be an interesting thing to see down the road. Um, Definitely. That... Definitely. Go ahead, Chris. I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> uh, okay, good. I was going to say uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Scarlet Nation podcast, 24-7 Sports Network. Busy week uh, and more ahead as we get into bowl season soon. But first, Rutgers, Maryland on Saturday. Rutgers basketball returns to the court next Monday. Uh, be sure to keep it to scarlnation.com for all your latest Rutgers football and basketball coverage. You can interact with Bobby Darren, Brian Doan, and yours truly on the message boards uh, where we'll interact and uh, share our insight. And that is where things stand. Thanks for listening to the Scarlet Nation podcast. We'll see you again next time.